For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, Chartered Accountants and Business Advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. 706 on CJAD 800. Welcome to today's Entrepreneur presented by Fuller Landau, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. My name is Dan Delmar along with Fuller Landau's Josh Miller. Hey, Josh, how you doing? Uh, other than the slight jet lag after being away in uh, Hong Kong and that lovely smog-filled Shanghai, uh, uh, pretty good, thanks. Yes, you're in, in Hong Kong and uh, Shanghai, too, on the day where it had the, that record-level pollution. Uh, be- worst in uh, in five years. They even kept their children home. <laughs> oh, my. Uh, before we get into, into the show, well, why don't we just uh, talk about that for a second. Tell us about why you go back to, to Hong Kong. Uh, I guess it's pretty much once a year right now. It, it's pretty much once a year, and the reality is there's so much great opportunities. Uh, you know, it's, it's Hong Kong, but it's really the, the entire uh, country of China where the, the, the amount of business that can be done, the amount of consumers that are growing from year to year, the amount, uh, the level that they, the high level of regard that they have for Canadians and the technology and, 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 and business intelligence that we bring over uh, is actually quite astounding. And Hong Kong itself, uh, you know, because Hong Kong and China there, it's, it's really, it's, it's two systems in one country. And you have the capitalists and communists all kind of rolled up into the one, which makes the Chinese rather rather intelligent and rather uh, genius. Uh, but really, Hong Kong is is one of the freest uh, places in the world. To, the place in the world that has the freest economy. You can really pretty much do almost anything, and the tax rates are extremely low. So there's so many benefits uh, of doing business in and through Hong Kong. It's uh, and that's why I go back. And the people are great and. And the nightlife isn't so bad, so you get entertained constantly. Uh, so no complaints all around. All right. Well, perhaps our guest this evening uh, has looked at China or, or will in the future. Let's introduce him. His name is Yvon Roy. He is with Vignoble Moru. Uh, Yvon, uh, welcome to today's Entrepreneur. Pleased to meet you guys. Now, uh, Vignoble uh, Moru is, of course, a, uh, a winery. Uh, you have a vineyard. First of all, tell us a little bit about Vignoble Moru and, and how you came to, uh, to, to acquire this, this company. Well, it's uh, quite a long story. We uh, we had planned. Uh, maybe I should say that I'm making. I have been making wine for for quite a long period of time. I started, uh, let's say, 16, 17, uh, doing some wine with uh, in my father's garage, and I kept doing wine all all my my life uh, since. And uh, one of these days, we we plan to go back to to the country, and uh, we we were facing buying a, s- a small farm, especially in the eastern township. I, I ended up in Montérégie. Uh, that's not in the same area. And uh, my plan was to to uh, grow vines in there and make wine uh, for fun. And one of these days, a couple of uh, vineyards were on sale, uh, and and I pursued that, went to see them, and uh, finally bought bought one of the, of the one that were for sale. And I ended up uh, being a, a winemaker. What type of wines are you producing? We're producing uh, red wine, we're producing white wines, and we're producing uh, ice wine. And lately, we've uh, put on market um, late harvest. Now, it, it certainly takes a, a, a serious amount of knowledge to make, uh, I would say, a good wine, but any wine. Uh, you've been doing it since you were 16, 17. But when you got into this, did you have the right, that, that complete knowledge of 
when to pick the grape, what type of grape you wanted to. I mean, it must be a very detailed process. How did you gain that knowledge? Well, I had the chance. I bought the, the vineyard from, from a guy that was on, on the board of the uh, Association des Vignerons du Québec. And I asked if I had the chance to to be to replace him, and he says, "Well, the the, first, the the worst answer that you can have is no. I'll ask." And uh, he asked, and I I was accepted as as a, a member of the board, and we exchanged with with the the uh, the friends and uh, and the people that were making wines for for a long period of time, and I went back uh, to school because uh, I knew how to make wine. I was buying grapes. I wasn't uh, cultivating it, and I uh, went back to school. I went to uh, uh, University of uh, California for for courses and uh, correspondence. Or you actually course, traveled? No correspondence. Would have been nicer to travel. It would, it would, but I uh, I could do it uh, at home uh, on my computer. This is what I did, and I still doing uh, some courses. So let's take a, let's take a couple of steps back. You found this this vineyard that you could buy. Talk to us a little bit about the process of actually buying it. You know the negotiation, uh, uh, how you even determine the price. It wasn't easy, because <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you were buying a, a piece of land or a, a bungalow uh, in, in Montreal or anywhere in, in the country, you can find some comparables. But in, in, in the province of Quebec, uh, the vineyards were, were a new business and there were quite a f- almost none were for sale and no comparable were, were available. I had to do it piece by piece, uh, trying to fix a, a price on, on, on the land, uh, on the house, on the equipment, and I had no feeling at all, no price at all for a plant. And the, ven- and the vendor probably thought his vineyard, his real estate, his vines were probably worth a lot more than perhaps market. I would say f- five times too much. <laughs> wow. So how did, how did you determine what that real value is? And, and was it an easy negotiation? Did you use outside people or you just kind of face-to-face with this guy and, and worked it out? Do I did it face-to-face with the guy with the offer and counter offer and so on and we finally managed to agree on a price at the end well it, it took three months to really close up the, the deal did you use any outside i mean you, i guess you had to involve some lawyers at some point and uh, did to draft agreements or to figure out uh, you know the process of of payment or staying on uh, was no was that no i did it all myself uh, i I was, uh, was say, uh, I bought four or five houses before that. I I knew how to to deal with that, but I didn't know uh, th- this uh, uh, trade uh, talk uh, was was, was really new. different and, and new to me. Did you, you know in many businesses that entrepreneurs buy, it's there's also a discussion with the with the vendor with the seller to stay on you know there's a transition period so that you you know you get to know other suppliers you get to know the customers you get to know the business a little better and they're able to pass on the information and knowledge was that something that you worked out did you find that helpful yeah of course uh in the deal we i i asked the the vendor to stay on uh, with me for a year to uh, answer my questions uh, transfer the knowledge 
give me the recipes as uh, the, the way the, the, the wine was made in such a way that uh, he was the only one knowing uh, we had to stay and uh, he, he responded to that uh, quite easily you know there's a lot of entrepreneurs Dan that that have a lot of different experiences and buying a business and are they calculating is it just face-to-face -face? is it negotiation when we come back we'll hear a little bit about Yvonne's background and uh, how he kind of calculates things and plans things uh, quite accurately Yvonne Roy is our guest of Vignoble Moru on today's entrepreneur For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, Chartered Accountants and Business Advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. 719, welcome back to today's Entrepreneur, inspiring stories from outstanding business people, Dan Delmar and Fuller Landau's Josh Miller with you. And our guest this evening is Yvon Roy of Vignoble Moru. Uh, that is a winery in Napierville. And uh, Josh, we're talking about how, uh, how Yvon got into the business. And uh, uh, Yvon, winemaking was not really, uh, I guess, although you've been doing it for a while, it wasn't your profession. Uh, so what, what, tell me what your background is and why you decided to make the transition, um, I guess, uh, making your hobby uh, the way that you make a living. Yeah, I'm an accountant. Uh, My condolences. No, no offense. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Josh. <laughs> yeah, I'm an accountant. I uh, worked in in accounting for for a while after after university, uh, say for ten years, and I moved to uh, other companies. Uh, went to Toronto for for a couple of years. Came back to Quebec City, where I joined uh, Sears, and I worked my way up uh, at Sears and uh, after Sears, uh, Eaton's that uh, ended up, uh, as Coming you and know, <laughs> and I had to to find a, a, another job. I, I became a general manager of uh, Les Promenades Saint-Bruno and then I wanted to do something else. I bought a vineyard to make it a little change. Now, your your background gave you some ability to analyze and and I guess and, and don't laugh at my next question, but when you first bought this this business, did you create a business plan? Yes, <laughs> of course, we had to prepare business plans. Uh, banks would require a, bit, a business plan to, to lend you some money if, uh, if you need to. I needed some. I presume you also do the business plan for yourself to know that it's the right path to take. Yes, uh, we we had to do. Uh, I I studied the, the the plan as we 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 saw the, this this vineyard for sale. We went to see the place. We uh, visited it, take photo photos and, and and so on and so forth. Asked my wife to see uh, if it, she would please her to to stay there. Uh, went into uh, contact with the the, the, the sellers and. Uh, ask questions, ask the inventory, uh, the, the, the equipment they had, everything we needed to really prepare for, for a, a, a price. We had to offer something for the, for the vineyard. And we also had to prepare a plan to see if it was feasible to, to go in that kind of business. And it, so when you mentioned the three months of negotiation back and forth, it was really longer than that when you did all your legwork and oh yeah. trying to find out the oh information. Oh yeah, it was it was a long, long process. I uh, I was I was uh, walking on, on very not solid soil. Eh? It was I, I, it was totally new to to me, uh, even though I had I 
seen quite a few businesses in my my life. Uh, vineyard is a, is a business also, but uh, very much different from manufacturing or accounting business. Were you did you look back on your business plan after you first drafted it? I mean, uh, what did you think of it? Was it accurate? Or were there any things that that needed you felt tweaking afterwards? Of course, we had to um, readjust the plan. <laughs> We, we, when you want to buy something and you really want it, you, you kind of cheat a bit on, on the revenues and you cheat a bit on, on the expenses. And a L- little optimistic. The, yes, when the, the reality uh, arrives, but you have to readjust a bit, sometimes quite a, few, quite a bit. <laughs> and of course, you know, that, that plan, that really serves as a, as, a, as a basis to go and perhaps get some financing. And when we come back after the break, we'll hear about, I guess, the pluses and minuses of your experience in, in going to the banks and, and the government uh, financière agricole yeah. to see uh, how that worked out. Quite an experience. <laughs> Yvon Roy is our guest of Vignoble Moreau. Uh, that is coming up on Today's Entrepreneur 723. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, chartered accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. 726, welcome back to today's entrepreneur. Our guest is Yvon Roy of Vignoble Moru. And uh, I am getting that pronunciation correct. It is Moru, not Moru, which is called. Uh, so Yvon, welcome back. And uh, Josh, we're talking about how Yvon, an accountant, got into this very exciting business, turned uh, his, his passion into a business, uh, which is something that we, we hear a lot of on today's entrepreneur. And after we were talking about the business plan, I mean, there's certainly, he's buying a vineyard, he's buying equipment. It's got to be some financing that's got to take place. So kind of turn to Yvon and, and ask him about his experience, I guess, not just like, what's, what were your next steps after, after doing that business plan? You went to see the banks, you went to see perhaps a government agency to help out. Perhaps you can uh, elaborate a little further. Yeah, uh, during the course of uh, looking for, for that uh, business and the financing, we, we heard that uh, we could possibly get some help from uh, La Financière Agricole du Québec. And I uh, knock on their doors and uh, ask for, for uh, their support. And you had all the all the backup information. You had your plan. You had details. Sure. I, I was... You went prepared. I was kind of ready, yes. And uh, they were very, quite open. They were, they were ready to, to help me. And what we heard during the process of this uh, financing is that we they were just a kind of an agent between uh, our bank and, and the government. They were kind of uh, guaranteeing the, uh, the loan if they were a loan. But they were not ready to lend me the money I, I wanted. I had I, I sold my house, I had money enough, I had enough money to, to buy the, the vineyard, but I, I needed some, some more money. And I wanted to keep some some cash flow mm-hmm. for the business. As uh, I think, as a good entrepreneur, you need to keep some cash flow to pay the pay the bills at uh, at the mm-hmm. end of the month. But they were not ready to. They wanted me to put all the money I I, I had from from the selling of my house on the business, and they were ready to lend me some more money for for the cash flow. I didn't want that. I, I had the, the money. I wanted to keep my money, and I wanted a loan for for the difference. And we can we can uh, get a, a fix on that. And uh, I had to abandon that that 
type of the, that side of uh, the financing and I went to uh, La Caisse Populaire and I had the financing in I'd say five minutes mm. <laughs> everything were, was were ready they, were they just I mean had they dealt with vineyards before or were they just open to the entrepreneurial yes they had the and they were afraid of the risk this is what the 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 that's why they were asking so so much and uh said look at the plan the plan is is fair enough uh, you you should trust it and they think it was it was right but they were still afraid because uh said 10 years back uh the number of vineyards uh, in quebec was about around 45 42 45 mm-hmm. uh, now we're 125 that's quite a difference probably today if i, I had to do the same exercise i, I would probably get what uh, I would want at that time. Certainly the familiar familiarity with the industry that the that the banks are, or these institutions have is is certainly greater. Uh, just quickly before we get the, I guess there's a certain amount of equipment that you had to gain knowledge or you had to go buy or did did the business come with the right equipment or did you have to invest a little bit more? No, the business the, the guy that started the, the business did it on on its own. He had enough money probably, but uh, he was uh, he had not invested enough on, on the equipment side, modernizing the, the equipment uh, he had, and I had to reinvest bits and pieces at the time for for uh, modernizing the, the the equipment and everything we needed to to work. He, uh, when I bought the, the the vineyard, we didn't have a, a tractor. So certainly technology and the advances of technologies plays a huge role. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, chartered accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Welcome back to today's Entrepreneur, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. My name is Dan Delmar, along with Fuller Landau's Josh Miller, and our guest this evening is Yvan Roy of Vignoble Moreau, and uh, that is a winery in Napierville, and uh, we're talking about Yvan, he's an accountant by trade, but uh, you know, as as many of our favorite entrepreneurs do, left that profession, <laughs> not, not that profession. I thought he was going to say as many accountants do. <laughs> uh, that too, but I left left the profession to, to follow his passion, which is which is winemaking, which I think is, uh, is so interesting, and uh, we'll get into some of the the government stuff in a little bit uh, marketing as well but we'll let's continue our chat with you all and, and i think where we left off was change in technology we're talking about the equipment that's needed to you know to produce the wines and the change in technology uh, must be considerable in the last certainly decade that that you've that you've owned the winery uh, perhaps you can elaborate a little bit on what was then and what's now and what what has changed what has been the most important process that has changed uh, in that time well it, it has changed so much uh, if you listen or read about wine uh, you, you certainly have heard that the the wine has almost the same taste everywhere in the world because technology uh, computers and got into that business and uh, I think nothing is is uh, hidden again uh in the wine business so we, you mean it you mean there's no more personal touch or feel to it not much left mm. not much left it's it's a business of making wine that people like and uh, like any other business you have to please the, the customer and, uh, and once you know their taste and uh, their feeling that you have to make the stuff that they wanted 
and uh, wine is no different in that in that world. After after having a, a beautiful visit to Napa a couple of months ago, uh, I, I've learned that one of the most important aspects is knowing when to pick the grape. Yes. Knowing when to harvest those vines. Is that computerized as well? It is. As, as uh, yes, it is. You can you can put your, your seed in, in, into a computer, and uh, the computer will tell you if it's ready to to pick up. You can uh, you can put the juice on, on on a machine, and the machine will tell you uh, the acidity level, the the sugar level, and uh, if it's not ready yet, uh, they, they'll probably tell you the number of degree days that you need uh, to to make it uh, right. And that's all that kind of equipment you we, we, we should try to to get to to make the, the wine the, the right wine for the customer. Now earlier you were talking about you gain knowledge just being part of the association, being on the board of the association. Has being part of that group really helped you in your business? I know and do you, do the members of that group really collaborate and share information? That's the nice part, the nice part of, uh, of our association. We exchange everything, uh, the, the good the things and the, the bad things also. We, not things that you do, just don't want to repeat. Uh, that helps uh, avoiding some mistakes that make some money savings. As you, 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 instead of scrapping uh, a, a large amount of uh, wine, that you, you probably can save it. Yeah. So you, so I guess you feel that even though there's competition sitting around the table, there's no real threat of somebody stealing somebody else's thunder, so to speak. No, uh, I hope everybody everybody knows that um, uh, the volume of bottles that is sold in in Quebec, 200 million bottles per year, is sold in Quebec, and the the wineries of Quebec are producing a little under. Two millions. That's one tenth of a one percent. Uh, the the market is wide open for us. Uh, the, there's no need to compete w- with one to the, uh, the other. And now let's talk about market. I mean, we we alluded to before. Dan, you alluded to. The government has come out with some nice news for Quebec winemakers. Maybe you can elaborate on how what that is and how you feel that's going to help your business and the wine community. Prime Minister, last uh, f- uh, two Fridays ago, uh, asked us to assist in uh, to a presentation in uh, head office of SEQ, and they were announcing that uh, the SEQ would make more nicer space in in the in their stores uh, as for for the customer to to see the our wines, and they helped us on more money for our bottles that is the key uh, issue of that announcement even though it wasn't really and fast and faced on, on, on that that was the, the the key part of that and when you're a winemaker in quebec do you sort of expect some help from government because it seems like a difficult proposition or do you just sort of go about your business thinking you know government won't help me out and if they do then all the better we don't ask for for money we we ask for for opening we need to be able to sell the wine and uh, as you know um, SEQ is, is a monopoly we, we don't have any other uh, many other ways to uh, to sell the, the wines 
and uh, we have to have a, 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 a larger space, a better space, uh, say, for example, um, the Ontario Society. Mm-hmm. And once, once you get into their stores, you, wh- what do you see? Ontario wines, uh, the first look. And this is something that we, we are aiming to. Where do you currently distribute your wines? Do you distribute? Do you just sell to the private consumer? How do you? How do? How can the consumer find wine from Vignoble Moru? It's hard. <laughs> it's hard <laughs> because it's so we're good. limited. It's limited in 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 the, the the place where we can sell. We can sell at the vineyard. We can sell at the CQ. We were not there, for the reason I uh, explained. We can sell on the, the public market. We can set on on, on fairs, and few restaurants that's all the space we have available so how do you do your i guess if we kind of switch to marketing what's your what's your best form of marketing to get the the word out there that your wines are are worth buying and drinking the way we're doing it is we're we're going where we can we can sell Uh, uh, for instance that during the weekend we were three different um christmas fair in in the, the montreal area and uh, we see quite a few people. We're selling bottles. We're putting our on our, our ads and uh, spreading the word. That's that's the only thing we have. We we don't have enough money to buy publicity on, on the newspaper, on the radio, on the television, and so on, like the big the big ones do. And online marketing. I mean, or social media. Have you started that yet? Yes, we have. Yes, definitely. Is that something you you did on your own, or did you kind of outsource? Did you start this a long time ago? Or it's very we, recent. We did we did both. Yes, we we did both because we're we. It takes uh, some experience, some knowledge to to go on, on that kind of uh, publicity. Yes. So now you you have your your vineyard, and I guess you're limited. You have a, a certain capacity, certainly based on weather and and amount of acres that you have. What's plans for the future? Do you think ahead? You've you've owned this vineyard for for a good ten years. What's next on the list? Where is there expansion plans? Are you happy with where it is? Where where does your your heart and gut guide you? <laughs> Depends who who you talk to. Uh, <laughs> well, right now we'll ask you. <laughs> uh, yes, because I know you also have a partner. But uh, yes, we, we, we have we have we still have plans. An entrepreneur uh, without plans is not is not an entrepreneur. Uh, we have land available for uh, for expansion. We since we have a bit of an opening on, on the SEQ side, maybe we can we can enjoy more sales. If we have these sales, uh, we'll plant because uh, probably you know uh, when you uh, you put a, a vine into the soil, it takes four years until before you get the, some some juice for for wines. So we have to plan ahead. Definitely planning ahead, and certainly planning ahead requires people, human resources. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, Chartered Accountants and Business Advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. 7.49 on today's Entrepreneur, inspiring stories from outstanding business people. Dan Delmar and Josh Miller with you from Fuller Landau. And uh, joining us as well is Michel Mayette, uh, HR specialist at Fuller Landau. And of course, Yvon Roy is here from Vignoble Moreau. And um, we're going to talk about... Uh, 
firing people. Well, not just firing, but <laughs> hiring too, Dan, because it's positive messages, just not negative That's ones. True. Uh, but there's certainly some many do's and don'ts, things you should really consider when you're hiring and firing, and uh, who better to ask than Michelin? <laughs> so as we turn to her, and, and Michelin, I don't know if you want to start with the do's or the don'ts. I completely leave it up to you. Okay. But uh, what kind of words or challenges uh, that entrepreneurs should kind of listen to? I'd say for hiring, the number one do is do your homework before you begin the recruitment process. Um, I've seen it often where companies go, they post, like somebody leaves, so they're in a panic, they post the position, they start meeting people and they realize that it's not exactly what they wanted and they have to start the whole process over again. So I think um, thinking a little bit ahead, planning the process out also um, in terms of who's going to do the interviews, when, how this is going to go. Because uh, that brings me to a don't. You like know, don't don't you know. don't don't ignore the reference checks. Uh, you know, make sure you you really yes go through the your process exactly. Figure out what your process is going to be. Um, I would say don't, or at least avoid having more than two interviews. I find when candidates have to go to a third interview or even sometimes a fourth interview, um, you have to think that. Yes, for certain positions there might be a lot of candidates on the market, but if you want to get those great candidates. They're probably getting multiple offers or they're actively searching. So you really want to jump on the person as quickly as you can. And sometimes by delaying your process, the person will have accepted something else. Does that depend on the level of person you're hiring? It does. I mean, I'd say the higher the level generally, the longer the interviews are going to go. But I'd say even at a higher level, if you're getting to a third interview, you should probably have an offer ready, assuming the meeting goes well, to start discussing an offer at that meeting. Um, another do is in the interview, actual face-to-face interview, actually I'll say a don't, don't spend the whole time talking about yourself. <laughs> the interviewer. <laughs> was, you yes, the interviewer. Cause I've seen a lot of interviews again, where, um, the person talks about themselves for 45 minutes, what they've done, how they've grown the company. Ego and then, takes over. Yeah. And then the candidate talks for the last five minutes and they say, I love that person. Cause often people tend to really like somebody. Um, after a conversation where they've done most of the talking. So they might leave with a very good impression, but with very little actual mm. knowledge on the candidate. So really a do would be to ask questions based on the person's past experience. So get them to give examples, not just, you know, do you have initiative? It's easy. Yes. Everybody's going to say, yes, I have lots of initiative. Mm-hmm. But ask them, for example, give me an example of a time when you showed initiative at your last job. So you're actually getting into something a little bit more concrete. What about, uh, to pe- or should you give the employee or the candidate a test? For certain positions, a test could be good. Some people even do a psychometric tests. That's why when you're planning the process, see what it is that you want to do. I definitely, refer- I definitely recommend doing reference checks just to see if the person really worked where they said they worked and everything. So kind of some fact checking. And then depending on the type of position, you could look at doing a criminal check, uh, different testing and so on. What about social media checks? becoming more and more commonplace i guess yes well i always say candidates should be very like leery of what they're posting online search themselves a little bit before to see what shows up on them um because yes definitely employers are looking more and more online and anything that's public knowledge is public knowledge and certainly you there are some questions you need to technically legally avoid when you're in an interview yes definitely so don't ask if they have children ask if they're planning on having children anytime soon <laughs> don't ask yeah. uh, what Dan, religion Dan, they are. Don't ask them if they want to go out with you. No. Yeah. <laughs> hey, come on now. And uh, don't ask what country they're from. Those are some of the more common ones that I've heard uh, in interviews. Um, often they're asked because 
They just want to know, is the person going to be able to work overtime? Are they available to work Friday afternoons? Um, so you're better off saying, this is the schedule. Is this okay with you? There's going to be lots of overtime. Is that okay with you? That type of question instead of, do you have to pick your kids up at daycare at 5 o'clock? <laughs> Things to avoid. And when yeah. we come back from the break, we're going to talk about do's and don'ts of firing on the flip side of that coin. Today's Entrepreneur on CJAD 800. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, chartered accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Welcome back. Our guest this evening, Yvan Roy of Vignoble Moreau. And uh, we also bring in uh, Micheline Mayette talking about HR and more specifically hiring and firing. And uh, yes, when you, you can't go around asking people if they're going to have a baby or you can't ask them what country they're from. Many do's and many don'ts on that list. And those are from the hiring standpoint. The flip side of the coin is, well, what should or shouldn't you do when you're letting somebody go? Micheline? I'd say a major don't is don't act too quickly. Sometimes when something happens, um, entrepreneurs or managers can act a little bit impulsively and maybe decide to fire somebody on the spot without getting more information. And that's something that can, that can come back and bite you later. So you're better off taking 24 hours. I mean, depending what it is, obviously, but you're better off taking a little bit of time to calm down, reflect on it, consult somebody if uh, if necessary, because in the end, it could be very expensive. Yeah, I mean, if they just stole $100,000, and by all means, let yeah. them go right away. Yeah. But if it's a he said, he said, she said, and you're not sure, but it mm -hmm. kind of ticked you off, take a take a 24-hour breath. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'd say a major do is always be respectful. I think that's a major thing. I mean, you have to think... You're letting the person go. It's not easy for the person letting the person go, but it's a million times harder for the people, the person who's being let go. So always make sure to do it with the greatest respect possible towards the person. Make sure they are able to leave with their dignity. Yeah. Respect. Yeah. <laughs> Although some <laughs> entrepreneurs certainly go by their gut. And yeah. if they've really ticked him off or ticked her off, it's like, do I really care? <laughs> yeah, definitely. I'd say another major do is have a witness present when you're doing it. You're better off than uh, being two in the room than one-on-one -on -one, because then it becomes, again, he said, she said in terms of what the discussion was. And definitely always have it in writing. Um, it's actually a legal obligation to, if you're going to terminate somebody, that you do it in writing. But some people still will just do it verbally, which, again, can cause major problems uh, after. Would you say even building up to, I know you would say this, even mm -hmm. building up to the, the termination or the letting somebody go, documentation is huge. Yeah, exactly. That kind of comes back to don't act too quickly. Um, you know, maybe it's something, maybe the person did something that's more... Uh, in line with a disciplinary measure than actually firing them. So, but at the in the heat of the moment, you might be very upset by what happened. So you're not really, you know, reflecting really on what it is and how bad it really was. In the grand scheme of things. Anything else from a firing standpoint? You know, having a checklist, make sure you cover all bases at the very moment instead of realizing you miss something out afterwards. Yeah, it's in companies that are more structured. They'll have like more of a policy or procedure in place. Um, and I mean, also you have to be careful. A lot of companies also. They'll say they're laying off somebody when they're really firing them. You have to be very careful because if you're planning on replacing that person, you can't tell them they're, the position's abolished and then post it you know, on the internet a week later because, again, you can get yourself in, in trouble that way. And uh, finally, the one piece of advice, uh, Yvon uh, Roy for Today's Entrepreneur, what do you think? Well, uh, you have to work. Uh, being an entrepreneur is, is, a, is, a, is a challenge. It, it, daily challenge a monthly challenge it's it's always a challenge competition is there you have to be uh, on your toes all the time 
Thank you very much, Yvonne Roy of Vignoble Moru, and of course, Amishan Mayette uh, talking about HR with Phil Landau. Josh, uh, next week is our last show of, uh, of 2013. Correct. And uh, we're going to deal with one-person operations. We are. We have uh, two uh, people that have been actually in the food creation distribution business. Uh, you know, Felix Norton, uh, Michael Eskenazi, who we've had on the show before, and Bob Schustak of Danvin. And we're going to see they both operate currently, you know, out of their home and, and doing it all on their own, gained a ton of knowledge. But let's see what the challenges uh, are for them next week. Excellent. Today's Entrepreneur on CJAD, Mondays at 7 p.m. Uh, the Exchange is next. It's 8 o'clock.